morning, everybody. How you doing? Wow, I am so glad to be back together with you. It is great. You know, uh, sitting in bed and laying around and being a blob, man, that is not my M.O. It's been driving me crazy. So it's, they let me loose this morning, thankful for you coming out and just excited about finishing the sermon I started on uh, September 5th. So uh, a month later, we're going to finish it up. And so uh, I almost forgot what it was about. So I started digging through my notes. Went, oh, okay. So uh, I figured if I hadn't remembered it, I'll have to do a little bit of review, and then, then we'll get on with it. But before we do that, we have some announcements. Uh, tonight, uh, the evening assembly has been changed from the Compton homestead to the, the Park homestead. And uh, so uh, my lovely bride, Sharon, still struggling a little bit with the uh, ear infection. And so she gets run out of juice pretty quick. So uh, anyway, so we're going to move it to the, the parks for this Sunday. Lord willing, we'll be 100% next week. And so we'll be hosting it during the month of October. But again, tonight, uh, evening assembly will be at the parks. And of course, Kirk's been doing a great job in preaching through Second uh, Timothy, so I'm pretty excited about that. And there'll be caramel apples. And so, uh, anybody want to put a little heart sign flowing up? I'm there. Okay. Even if I'm dying, I'm there. So, anyway. So, Monday, there will be no college-age group on Monday once again. Uh, I miss college-age group. Man, they just add so much energy. They think I'm giving them good things. Man, they... they Help a lot, but we have to do that one more one more week. So no college age tomorrow night. Wednesday night uh, hosted at the Compton Homestead, seven o'clock, and uh, I'll Lord willing, I'll be preaching through the first chapter of the book of Hebrews. And uh, we're doing expository, so don't expect we're getting out of the first chapter anytime soon. I mean, I don't know if God's been holding us back so I can really get her done, but anyway, so uh, we're starting in earnest. Preaching expository through the book of Hebrews, beginning in chapter 1. And then uh, Thursday night, is there ladies' study? Yes. Ladies' study on Thursday. And then next Sunday, um, I would like to have a meeting for those who are going to be participating and helping in the Pumpkin Spice Holiday Bazaar. Now, I haven't, I've been told by several that they're excited to do this. But with this crazy nonsense COVID stuff in September, it's like a whole month was stolen. And so uh, if you're not into it, please let us know. But a bunch of us are. So we're locked and loaded for November 6th. So put it on your calendars. Pumpkin Spice Holiday Bazaar, uh, November 6th. And we'll have a meeting next Sunday right after assembly. And so uh, we're looking forward to that. Getting back to normal. Pumpkin Spice is a normal phenomenon around here for the last about six years. So we're going to get back to normal. So any other announcements before we start? Any other announcements? All right, let's grab our, our Bibles and turn to the book of Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. And uh, this passage is so powerful, so amazing. Uh, the, the more I read it, the more I get out of it. And so, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1, 2, and 3 to begin this morning. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, 
a.k.a. all those amazing faithfuls in chapter 11. Let us also lay aside every encumbrance and lay aside the sin which so easily entangles and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And so that was a great sermon Jeff brought for Lord's Supper. Convicted me quite a bit. And so I appreciate that. Notice, he endured and he continued faithfully as the Son of God, uh, the great Messiah and Savior. Now, for us, we're looking this morning at this one little phrase, and the sin which so easily entangles us. Let us lay aside the sin which so easily entangles us. Now, I have to tell you, sin is more contagious than COVID. I mean, you pick it up right now. You hang around with someone, and you're going to be picking it up, and it's transmitted through the air, and it's in your ears and in your eyes and and uh, you catch it right now. And I have to tell you, this is, this is the worst contagion there is. You think COVID's bad? Sin kills every single one it infects. No one is spared. So we need to realize that we need to take care of this thing. And so when I was sitting in my hospital bed, I was thinking, man, I want to stand before King Jesus, and there's still some garbage that I've been dinging around with that I just got to get done with. And uh, so I pray that we all have that experience where we go, I got to get rid of this stuff I've been dinging around with. I got to get serious about getting rid of it. That's what this lesson is about this morning. How to get rid of it. God has given us a powerful process and tools to get rid of the sin out of our life. And, and one of the passages that talks about the process is in the book of Ephesians in chapter 4. So let's go ahead and turn there. Ephesians in chapter 4. And this passage is one of several that speak about how to get the sin out of your life. Now I know when a person is baptized, their, their sin is washed away. We know that's true. But when they come up out of the water grave, they're a Christian, they're a holy one of God, but they still have a mind that has not been renewed. And so it still thinks the way it thought before it became a Christian. And so the way you thought before you were a Christian is like a person outside of Christ. So you got to renew the mind. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. But how do you do that? This is the process. So we're going to read a couple verses, verse 17 through 19, to show you that the mindset is where, unfortunately, we get sidetracked and destroyed by the devil. But then verses 20 through 24 actually tell us the process to get the sin out of our life by getting the sin out of our mind. And so Ephesians in chapter 4, beginning there in verse 17, So this I say, and affirm together with the Lord, that you walk no longer as the Gentiles also walk, in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, 
excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them because the hardness of their heart. They have become callous and given themselves over to the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. No, no, it's just the mind that gets messed up. The devil attacks the mind through temptation. And so we need to recognize and understand that we got to understand this whole temptation process too so we can eliminate the devil's tools so that we can implement God's process. So that's what this lesson's all about. But let's reading on. Let's look at the process here. Look at verse 20. But you did not learn Christ in this way, according to the worldly standards. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus, then in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in according with the lusts, when you look at that word, lusts of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and... Put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. There's four steps in that process. And we're going to look at those four steps. But first we got to go back, point number one. First we got to go back and we need to see how the devil destroys every human soul through temptation as he draws them into sin. And there is a way to stop that that temptation from ever going any further than just being a temptation. Because Jesus was tempted in every way as we are, and yet what? Without sin. So he was able to do it as a human being. How? If you understand how the devil works, you can cut him off at the knees, literally. So he is immobile. He cannot pierce into the heart to bring sin about. Now let's take a look at James and chapter 1. James chapter 1. You know, I, I've really been studying hard on this. This is a, a lesson I've been developing, honestly, over many years. And uh, I've been writing it uh, as I've been sitting at home. I've been working on the lesson to put into the elementary teachings. After defining repentance and defining the, the acts that lead to death, I want to show people how to overcome sin through the repentance process. But we must understand first how the devil operates. Let's take a look. James chapter 1, beginning in verse 12. Blessed is the man who perseveres when he is under temptation. That word trial literally should have been translated temptation. King James has it translated correctly. Blessed is the man who perseveres under temptation. For once he has been approved, he'll receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot uh, be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. Now let's slow down and listen carefully. But, verse 14, each one is tempted when? He is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Do not be, be deceived, my beloved brethren. Now let's go back and take a look at point number one. James chapter one, verses 13 through 16. Now what is temptation? If you were to look it up in the Greek, the word temptation, I don't have any place for you to write it, maybe scribble it in the, in the margin. But temptation literally means to pierce, 
to test the waters, to see if... Now, this is the devil, actually, when it talks about the firing missiles of the devil. The word temptation means to pierce, to test, to see what's inside the person. You remember Jesus said that the God of this world is coming, but he has nothing in me. So when he was tempted, there was no lust in him to draw out through temptation. So Jesus could be tempted in every way, but there was no lust inside of him. So temptation is actually the devil probing with tools that would draw any lust you have inside. Now what's lust? You look it up. Lust is actually a hunger, a desire for something. Now, it can be good. That word there can be used good. Okay, the word desire, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. I so desired to have a great wife, but I was unwilling to compromise and I waited until a woman said she could love God only and you know what? No matter what else, she's going to love God first. Bingo! God answered my prayer. And so Sharon is my wife, and I have been blessed richly. Now, that desire was intense. I desired to be married, but I desired to marry according to God's will. That was intense. Now, can we have an, an intensity for money, intensity for immorality, have an intensity for... Well, of course you can. You know what lust is? It's a hunger that burns inside for something. And the devil tempts to probe. And then what does that do? It says lust has two things to it. Take a look at it. James chapter 1 in uh, verse uh, 14. It says here, but each one is tempted when he's carried away and enticed by his own lust. Notice what lust does. It entices and carries away. The word entice there means to bait. It literally means to bait or to lure. And remember I used the fishing example. You know, you hook the worm in so you can't see the hook. And so the fish goes, oh, I'm hungry, and goes after the worm. But what's in the worm? It's a hook. It's deceitful. Oh, by the word, by the way, the word decoy is in there as well in regards to, to entice, to draw someone in. So if you have lust in your heart, you have a hunger, the devil probes, and guess what? You have this, you see the bait, and you're drawn to it because of the hunger that you have. The fish says he wants the worm. I want to do this evil thing because I desire it. Well, and then once you're hooked, the word carried away actually means to be dragged out. So if you're a fish and you get hooked by the bait, the enticement, because the bait was temptation for that hungry fish, you get hooked and then you drag that fish out of the water. And then you eat them, because that's what I do with fish. I eat them, and I like eating them. The devil does the same thing with human beings. He loves to destroy. <coughs> we need to recognize and understand that this principle here is telling us that if we get rid of the lust, if we pull the lust out of that equation, there's no sin. You can be tempted all you want, but if there's no lust inside of you, you're not going to fall to sin. Just like Jesus was tempted in every way and yet without sin. And when he said, 
right near the end. And man, brother, you did a great job this morning for a communion. Man, that was great. How many of you that was a great job? Man, I needed to hear that. You punch in the gut once again. I need to hear that almost daily. Can you come over to my house and let me know? I need to be praying more fervently for our civil leaders in, in a, probably a more appropriate way. I sure would appreciate that. Thanks. So every morning you come over, get me going. Right. So we need to recognize and understand. Well, anyway, we won't go any further on that one. I'll get myself in big trouble. But the reality is, is that Jesus, right before he went to the cross, he knew it was going to be the most intense, most difficult time in his human existence as a, as a human being. He knew it was going to be tough. But he said, you know what? The God of this world is coming for me but he has nothing in me. I always wondered what that meant. Now I know. There was no hunger, carnal hunger inside of Jesus. His only desire was to do the will of God. Thank the Lord. Not my will, but thine be done. Amen. So you take the lust out of your heart, get rid of that hunger, that desire for evil, and boom. Boom. No sin. No death. How do you do that, though? See, look at point number two. Point number two, lay aside your sin, examine your heart. You know where the problem is. Jesus said, you know where all the adulteries and the murders and all the lying and cheating and stealing come from? It comes from the heart. So we got to go examine our heart. And by the way, you need to know, Jeremiah, it's right there at the bottom. Jeremiah 17, verse 9 and 10 says, Man, the heart is so despicably, deceitfully evil. People can deceive themselves. So don't think, well, I think everything's fine. Hey, listen, Houston, you got a problem here. You need to get down in there and start digging. Well, what do I dig with? I'm glad you asked. When you take a look at the book of Matthew and chapter 19, the look, book of Matthew chapter 19, this guy in Matthew, he was a really sweet guy. Wow. He was like a paragon of virtue. Everything he did was, was right, except for one little thing in his heart. Okay, take a look. Matthew chapter 19. And uh, beginning in verse 16, there. and you're very familiar with this, I'm sure, but it's always good to be reminded. Look what goes on here. Someone came to him and said, teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may attain eternal life? And he said to him, why are you asking me about what is good? There's only one who is good, but if you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. Then he said to him, which ones? Jesus said, you shall not commit murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, hey, all these things I've kept, and I'm not lacking any of those. Jesus said to him, if you wish to be complete, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Come follow me. I gotta sell my ATV. I gotta sell. I gotta. I, I, what? <laughs> now you know that the scripture teaches it's okay to have stuff. Nothing wrong with having stuff. And there's nothing wrong with having nice stuff. 
As long as you recognize God's the one that's giving you the breath and the strength to make the wealth, to enjoy the blessings of this life. Read it, Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Wow, it is awesome. This is what's good under the sun. To enjoy what you do and to enjoy the fruit of your labor. That's what it says. It's okay to have stuff. But if stuff possesses you, if stuff is where you're at, man, I'm telling you what, you need to read Luke chapter 12 and verse 15 and memorize it. Beware and be on your guard against every form of greed. For not, for not even when someone has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. Jesus said that. I've memorized that. Because I got a lot of stuff. It could steal my heart. But, and I'm telling you what, when you're face to face with death, you're thinking, man, that's stupid. I got a shed full of junk and a house full of stuff that is all going to go away. And you know what? It's like, really? Get me out of here, Lord, so I can help somebody else become a Christian. That's kind of where I was at. Okay? I don't need no more stuff. Just help me to get a couple more Christians. So we need to do a couple things here. Look at point number two. The standard is God's goodness, not what you think. I'm doing great. You really are? Look at God's standard of goodness. And you know what God's standard of goodness is? It should be, who is God's standard of goodness? You look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. That's the standard of goodness. Get in there and start looking to Jesus. And you know, just like uh, Jeff preached, man, I got convicted. Am I a son of God? Am I praying for my enemies the way I ought to be praying for my enemies? Man, the word of God is the standard which will expose the cancer of sin in your life. I wrote this down. I thought it was kind of cute. The word of God will expose you to spiritual radiation that will destroy the cancer of that hunger for sin. Spiritual radiation. You know, sin is a cancer. Spiritual radiation. Did we get it there? I, was, I thought that was so cool. Wow. Expose yourself. Expose yourself to the light of God's word. You expose yourself to all these preachers on the internet and, and all these little self-help books. You ain't exposing yourself to nothing. The devil's going, keep on doing that, idiot. Yeah, baby. That's what he's saying. But when you go to the word, he goes, no, 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 no. Don't do that. Especially don't read for understanding. That's when he has a problem. And that's when you cut him off at the knees. Because all of a sudden you expose that hunger inside of you that is not of God. And it should convict you. Like I got convicted this morning by Jeff. It should convict you. There's nothing wrong with reading the word and getting convicted. Now look, it says here, the standard is goodness. Examine the word of God. Examine it for understanding. Let it convict you where you're not living up to that standard, you're saying, well, it sounds like a bunch of do's and don'ts. It's not. It's are you living that mature life of Jesus? Are there some things missing? You can build those into your life. And that's what he wants. So examine yourself in the light of God's word 
And I put down here, examine your heart in comparison to Christ. I'm doing really amazing. I've almost arrived. Really? Yeah. Well, you better go look to Jesus because I don't think he ever said anything like that. I think you're coming up a little short, chief. Now, I wouldn't do that, but you have to. Examine your heart and don't lie to yourself and don't think you've made it. Remember what Paul said? You know what? I have no understanding of anything against me, but I'm still not acquitted by that because he was smart. He knew that there could still be garbage in his heart. We need to be that kind of smart people. And then finally, you need to be resolved. Just like we sang this morning. I am resolved no longer to linger. Charmed by the world's delights. Things that are nobler. Things that are higher. These have allured, it's enticed, allured my sight. What? The things that are nobler. The things that are higher. That verse right there is actually talking about what we're talking about, getting sin out of your life. Now, how do you do that? Look at point number three. Point number three. This is where it's at. Take a look back at Ephesians with me, if you would. Ephesians in chapter four. Now let's get down to the nitty gritty. And, and we know that we can cut the lust out of our lives. But how do you do that? This is how you do that. So that there's nothing in you. So when the devil comes probing with his fiery missiles, by faith there is nothing there for him to pull out, to entice out of you. So, beginning in verse uh, 20, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 20, verse 20 and 21. It says here, but you did not learn Christ in this way, according to worldly standards. Verse 21, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is, is in Jesus. Have you heard him? Where do you hear Jesus? You might hear Jesus by a good preacher like Jeff this morning when he made that statement. But notice he was preaching the word. It's the word that pierced me, not Jeff's presentation. He used the word. So it's important for us to recognize as we're taking a look at this, have you heard Christ when I, and I've said this a million times. I'm going to say it again. You know what I said in my office? I, when I read, I listen. And I look. I observe. When I see Paul interacting with someone, or Jesus interacting with someone, I am observing, watching. And when they say something to someone, I'm listening. You know there's a difference between listening and reading? How many of you know you can read a whole bunch and not get anything out of it? Because your mind is not processing. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Good night. How often times I've been so busy. i got to get my five chapters done today. And I get my five chapters done. And then I forget. Well, I didn't remember anything I read. Because I got my five chapters done. Yes, I'm great. No, you're not, you knucklehead. You You didn't know what you, you didn't even know what you read. Take the time. Just do one chapter. Just do one verse and understand it. And you'll be a lot better off than getting the five chapters read and not knowing anything. So for understanding, you know, when I'm listening to somebody, especially when I'm in a Bible study situation, 
man, my ears are just like little radars, you know, and my brain is going a million miles an hour, and I'm listening to every word, because when I hear a word that opens the door of opportunity, I'll remember that, and I'll go, you know, you know what you said just a moment ago? That is really interesting, and I'm off to the races. Now, that's how we need to be with God's word. We need to be super intense, focused. What is he saying? Because then your sin or that hunger inside is exposed. You go, uh-oh, I got to get rid of that. Because that's not truth. That's not Jesus. Because remember who the standard is? Jesus. Have you heard Jesus? Have you been taught in Jesus? Because truth is Jesus. You see how that's important? Don't use some other standard other than Jesus, who's the way, the truth, and the life. That's the standard. That's the first thing. But then notice, if you are truly looking, you're going to get pierced. Look at step number two. Step number two is in verse 22. In reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit. If you don't get that lust of deceit out, you're going to continue to be corrupted even if you're a Christian. you got to get the lust out. you got to name it. That is a hunger that is evil, and i got to get it out. Let's say, for example, it's, it's a greed for money. Let's just use that one. That's an easy one. That's a safe one. Okay, I'm not going to do some other ones. It might be unsafe. Why? because it might touch a nerve and you'll get mad at me. So anyway, <laughs> like I really care. Uh, but let's use money, because money's an easy thing, man. I mean, it's all over the place. And the more money you got, the more stuff you got, the more stuff you got. Well, I won't go there. I almost said something mean about somebody who wants stuff. But, so you're all about money. I want more money. I want more money. I'm going to do whatever to get my money. All right? That's the hunger in you. Will that hunger cause you to take advantage of people? Yes or no? Oh, yeah, absolutely, positively. Because who else got money? People. <laughs> yeah. So where are you going to get more money? People. See, that's how that works, see? And so it's important for us to understand the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. So that's why we're going to use this one. So you got this hunger inside, this hunger inside. Now, you have to decide, am I resolved to get over this hunger of wanting more and more and more money at the expense of, of relationships, at the expense of a lot of things? Do you want to get over that? Because if you don't want to get over that, just give it up. I'm serious. That lust will continue to rage in you and that lust will continue to cut you short and you won't be able to endure when the pressure comes, when the real pressure comes. You'll fold off. You've got to get rid of that lust. Choose that. I'm going, to, I'm going to get rid of this. You have to be resolved. I'm resolved no longer to linger. That's why it uses the word lust here. You've got to get rid of that lust. The, the third step is how you do it. Look at the third step. The third step is verse 23. And that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. How are you renewed in the spirit of your mind if you lust after money? You have to step back for just a moment and go, what's the opposite of lusting after 
money. Being generous. Being generous. Actually looking to the scriptures to understand what God's teaching is in regards to money. God will grant great money to the man or the woman who has a giving heart. I know some men who have amazing wealth and because their heart is a heart after God's heart, they are giving money to so many missionaries, to so many preachers, to so many projects. And we're not talking 10%. 50% or more. Now, I'm not asking you to do that. I'm just saying, if you have a problem with greed, then you need to go back and you need to take a look at what God's standard for money is. God is the one, and I'm quoting from the book of Deuteronomy, God is the one who has given you health to make wealth. So every dollar you have is whose? It's God's. I'm so deeply thankful that he's given me whatever to, to make money to provide for my families, my physical family and my church family. And I live by the principle, he who waters others waters himself. I don't have greed in me. Now that might be in you, but it's not in me. No greed. There isn't in there. I don't care anymore. And I haven't cared for a long time. <clears throat> if you were to drive down Shore Lane, and I'm not bragging, I'm just saying, for this particular lust, it's not in me. Because if you drive down Shore Lane, everybody's got real fancy houses on Shore Lane. I mean, they're amazing. And then you come to our property. And you go, huh? But you know what? I don't care. If I get one, two, three, ten, twelve, a hundred more souls into heaven, that property is going to burn. It is. Now, we're trying to fix it up a little bit here and there, but the, the blackberries are winning. You know, I mean, it's just that's how blackberries are winning. We've lost that baby. You know, and uh, and I'm glad that when the Lord comes, I get to burn them all. I'm going to be vaporized. No more blackberries in my life. But the reality is this, is that what's more important? Now, whatever sin in your life, you have to look at the, the opposite. So if you are greedy and, and you want stuff, the opposite is having a heart of generosity and giving. It's okay to have a lot of money. There's nothing wrong with that as long as you understand what it's for. It's a tool. It's not a God. It's a tool. It's not a God. If it is a God, it's a lust and it will destroy you. Amen? So it's important for us then to get the right mindset. The right mindset is I'm no longer interested in making a bazillion dollars. I will do what I've been gifted to do and I'm excited about sharing with those who have need and providing for my family. That's the right mindset. Well, why don't you take a look here and just take a look at verse uh, 29. The opposite of having a foul mouth, a dirty mouth. How do you get over a foul mouth? How do you get over a critical spirit? Criticizing, cutting people down. That's a foul mouth. That's, that's impure words. Take a look at verse 29. This is a great example. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. Determine you're not going to open your mouth and trash somebody or be foul mouth. 
Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word is good for edification. When I open my mouth, I'm going to encourage because I'm an encourager and I'm going to build people up. I'm going to find, even if they're struggling and they're messing up, I'm still going to find something positive and encouraging to share with them so that they can grow and see themselves not as a screw-up, but rather as somebody who has infinite value and they have a skill set that God gave them. You can change your mind about that. I am, in my mind, a man who will encourage. How many would agree with that? Have I encouraged you? Have I thanked you? Have I praised you? Have I appreciated you? I sure hope so, because that's the man I've chosen to be. But if you would have known me before, as Sharon knew me before, man, talk about grinding on people to get them to do what I thought was right. Kirk remembers that kind of guy. And so that's not who I am anymore. I've changed. How? Because that garbage was a desire to control and manipulate and put people down. That's a sick lust, man. Get rid of that. I've got rid of it. Praise God. See? But you can. It's a new man. It's a new picture. It's who I am. Hi, my name is Bill and I'm an alcoholic. What do alcoholics do? Drink. Hi, my name is Bill and I'm living a pure and holy life. What does that look like? There's a difference, isn't there? Isn't there? Absolutely positively. Hi, my name is Bill and I'm caustic and I love criticizing people. It's fun. Okay, that was even more. Hi, my name is Bill and I love to encourage and appreciate and inspire. There's a new saying I've picked up not too long ago. I want to inspire before I expire. I don't know about you, but I like that one. Okay? I aspire to inspire before I expire. Well, you know, that's a great picture, isn't it? I want to inspire everybody. <laughs> but if you would have known me before, <laughs> run for the hills. Bill's coming to the party. You know, I love getting that different mindset because it's powerful. But look at the last part, the last verse 24. Put on the new self, with the, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Now, what if I were to come in here with just nasty, dirty, greasy uh, clothes because I was working on my Chevy pickup that's still kind of in a wonky place. And I just come in here to preach. You'd go... Well, what happened to you? Well, I just got done working on my truck, okay? Give me a break. Man, it's hot, okay? Back off a little bit, okay? But what if I, before your very eyes, I had a t-shirt on, I got all suited up like this. You know, I put this on and I put this on and you go, you put it all on and you're looking pretty, you know, yeah. Like this. Where's my button? There you go. I got a double-breasted suit. You got to button it up so you don't look like a real man. And so somebody might say, man, you clean up pretty good. Have you ever had anybody say that to you before? Kind of in a fun, sarcastic way. I mean, not me, but man, Eric, you clean up pretty good. You know, has anybody ever said that to you before? They said that to me before. <laughs> you know, what are they saying? Wow. You don't normally look that way. You look good. See, we can do that in Christ. Put on that encouraging spirit. 
rather than that critical spirit. Put on that giving spirit rather than that wanting more money spirit. You see, if we destroy the lust, we've actually destroyed the devil's game. And this is the tool, the process by which we destroy that lust. Just define what that lust is that you need to get rid of. Go to the truth of God for the standard. Put on the new man, the image of the new man. I'm no longer greedy. I'm a giver. I'm no longer critical and foul mouth. I am going to encourage everybody I see and be positive. You put that new mind on, that new picture on, that new man on, and you rehearse it in your head. Rehearse it in your head. Rehearse it in your head. And if you have a coach that can coach you, like a mom or a dad or a brother or sister in Christ, when you go into a situation where that lust is always poked by the devil to draw it out and you've consistently failed because there comes the lust out in action, sin, have somebody encourage you. Encourage yourself. Okay, I'm going into this place where I know the devil's going to tempt me. This is the man I'm going to show, not that one. This is him. And so when someone does the normal temptation, you come up with the man of God or the woman of God and they go, what happened to you? You bump your head or something? No, 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 no. Well, what's going on, man? You don't want to hang out with us? You don't want to drink with us? You don't want to cuss with us? You don't want to do the nasty things with us? No, I've decided that's not who I am. Who did have something happen to you. See? That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Keep putting on Jesus. Keep putting on Jesus. Keep putting on Jesus. And then guess what ends happening? That's who you become. Now let me close with this. You've heard me say this before. But a thought repeated, sooner or later, is going to become a word or action. A word or action repeated is going to become a habit. And a habit repeated will become your character. And your character determines your destiny. Put on Christ Jesus. Put on the character of Christ. Get the correct mindset and begin to speak and act by the standard of Jesus. And you keep putting him on. You keep getting that right picture. And guess what? People no longer see me as a foul-mouthed, critical, angry person. I don't think any of you, very few of you anyway, have seen me that as that man. That's not the man that I am. That man is who I was, but that's not the man that I am. By the grace of God and the power of the repentance process, we can change and cut the devil off at the knees. I don't know about you, but I sure love it when people see me as a new man and not as that old nasty fellow I used to be. Praise the Lord for the repentance process, the spirit of God in me, and his patience and grace. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. I thank you, Lord, so much for the breath that you gave me. To preach this sermon. And I'm thankful that you have helped me to see these things in the scripture. There, there is so much more in that particular passage and all the other Bible verses I shared. 
on how to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. The world so desperately needs to see you, Jesus, in us. The world so desperately needs to see the truth of true Christianity. And I pray, Father, that this lesson and this series of lessons that I'll package and put in the elementary teachings <coughs> will help so many as it's helped me and it's helped so many other brothers and sisters in Christ. Father, help us to cut the devil off at the knees by embracing your word and using the tools that you've given us to be transformed so that people will see Christ in us. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. We stand. Let's get all excited. What did Jesus say to do? He said to go. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Jesus Christ is still the king of kings. King of kings. All right. Woo we made it. <laughs>